If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome, you beautiful people, to episode 97 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on May 23rd, 2021. Now, my friends, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and Ball Nine. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Visit the website. I promise you, you'll be glad that you did. That's ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9. And know what you don't know. And because they still help to get the word out on social media about the show, be sure to also check out Grunt Talks MLB. Go to their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their great baseball content and follow them on all social medias at Grunt Talks MLB. Also, do not forget, guys, that just like them, you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees and stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees. And you can do that by following yours truly on social media. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero. And you can find me on Instagram as well at MikeScuds97. And of course, remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees. Show some love on all the platforms it's available on. And those platforms would be YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Holy crap, guys. What a week it was. (laughs) I hope you're all doing well and had yourselves as great a week as the Yankees have had, which would be phenomenal. But my goodness, we're basically just going to dive right in today without wasting any time because we have so much to talk about today, as I'm sure you can imagine. And where to even begin? Well, that much I do know. (laughs) We're going to get started right away with our social media segment for the week, which is a poll having to do with what we witnessed on Wednesday from Corey Kluber. And you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then you must not be a Yankee fan, because how the hell don't you know? But in any event, (laughs) we'll start off with that. A poll question I had for you about Corey Kluber's no-hitter on Wednesday night, which I'm sure you can imagine I can still barely contain my excitement for, but don't you worry, I won't be anywhere near done talking about it after the poll. That is just the beginning. As Count Dooku says, this is just the beginning. And my fellow Star Wars fans... Feel free to rate my Count Dooku impression in the comments. But anyway, we'll talk plenty more about it in recap when we discuss this past week's games and news. You better guarantee that. Plenty. (laughs) And in recap, so much to talk about. Again, the Kluber no-hitter, the injury bug continuing to bite, 
You got Stanton, and his quad issue turned out to not just be last weekend, so I got an update there. Got an update on Aaron Hicks and their decision on whether or not to give him surgery and have him miss most of, if not the rest of the entire season. And even an injury to Ryan Lamar, who was called up for Hicks in the first place. So, (laughs) plenty of injury news. And speaking of Aaron Hicks and Ryan Lamar, two outfielders, I'll also have discussion about how much the outfield is in desperate need of help. I went into that a little bit last week, and we've got the same discussion this week, because obviously it applies just as much this week, if not more. So we will talk about the outfield again, and of course, absolutely all of the wild and historic action from this past week's games. So, like I said before, let's waste no time at all. We've got a boatload to discuss, and... We probably have a long but crazy fun episode ahead, as always. But without further ado, this week's poll question, beginning on Twitter, is Was Kluber's no-hitter the first that you have witnessed in your time as a Yankee fan? And the two choices, of course, were yes or no. And if not, then tell me which other ones you've witnessed in the comments for a chance at a shout-out on the show today. And... There were even more replies than I usually get week by week, and I usually get a really good amount every week, but this week was a crap ton. (laughs) So we're not going to be able to get to nearly all of them, but I'll get to as many as I can. But before we even get to that, I'll tell you my answer to it. And my answer is that this was the first Yankees no-hitter that I've witnessed in my time as a Yankee fan. I was born in January of 97, guys, so I was only two years old, about two and a half years old, maybe a little bit older, when David Cohn threw his perfect game in 99, which, as we know, before the snow-hitter by Kluber on Wednesday, was the last time the Yankees had anything of the sort. So, it's been 22 years before Corey Kluber's no-hitter, and I was only two years old in 1999, so I was not old enough to understand I did not even know what baseball was. I didn't know what life was. I was only two. (laughs) So this was the first no-hitter I've seen in my time as a Yankee fan in the last 14 years or so that I was even able to see, witness, appreciate, and you'll hear me talk a whole lot more about it later in Weekly Recap about how overjoyed this may be, not only because it was the first one that I witnessed in my time as a Yankee fan, but also because of the humongous advocate I've been for Corey Kluber. It goes without saying. If you follow me on social media or you are a religious listener to this show, you know how much I've been an advocate for Corey Kluber since the Yankees signed him. I am a day one supporter if there ever was one. (laughs) It goes without saying. So I cannot be happier about this no-hitter as you can probably imagine And I have so much more to say about it later on in Weekly Recap, so just hang tight for that. But for now, I'll just stick to answering the question. This was my first no-hitter that I was able to witness in my time as a Yankee fan. Even though I was alive for others like David Cohn's perfect game in 99, and even David Wells' perfect game in 1998, I was alive for that too, even though I was only one. I was not alive for Doc Gooden's no-hitter, and I, of course, was nowhere near being alive for even Jim Abbott's no-hitter in 93. Wasn't even a thought in the ether yet. So this was my first time that I witnessed a Yankees no-hitter that I was able to see and appreciate in my time as a Yankee fan, and it was freaking awesome. It really was. It was so great. 
But what do you say we speed run through some of your replies now on Twitter? I'm dying to hear which no-hitters, which perfect games you've witnessed in your time as a Yankee fan. I assume those of you who have been Yankee fans for a longer time witnessed plenty of the ones in the 90s, like the ones I just mentioned, from Abbott to Doc Gooden to David Wells to David Cohn. So I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say, but... Actually, yeah, let me give the results away first. That might be a good idea. (laughs) So I got a crap ton of votes on the poll, too. (laughs) So again, the two choices were yes or no, and it was pretty split right down the middle, believe it or not. For the question, was Kluber's no-hitter the first you have witnessed in your time as a Yankee fan, 51% of you said no, and 49 said yes. I thought this poll was going to be a bigger opportunity for the older Yankee fans to come out of the woodwork and talk about all the no-hitters or perfect games they saw, whether it be the ones from the 90s or even before that. And the ones before that would be even more awesome. I love hearing about old-time stories, but... It was much closer than I thought. Nearly split right down the middle, as you can hear. So I'll speed through as many as I can. We'll see how many we can get through and how many people's experiences we can hear about. And like I said before, there were a ton of replies. So I assume that there were plenty of people who saw the no-hitters or perfect games from the 90s or even further back. But I just expected in the voting results for no to be much more heavily favored. But let's hear some replies. Again, I will do the absolute best I can to get as many as I can, and as I said before, I usually get a lot of replies every week, and I usually never get to all of them, and I can damn sure guarantee you I will get nowhere near all of them this time, so I'll get to as many as I possibly can. Let's start off with at BlueRussian5555, and they say, the only other one I witnessed was Doc Gooden back in 1996. I had finals the next day and should have been studying, but of course, he had to go and throw a no-hitter. I was so amped, I had to stay up all night. (laughs) That's quite a story. I really like that. And that's really how I felt when Kluber threw his no-hitter. I almost couldn't sleep that night. I was so excited. On Wednesday night, I was like, I'm supposed to sleep and then watch a day game right after that, less than 24 hours later? (laughs) Oh, God. So I feel that, but that's a good story. That is a really good story. Up next, we have my good friend Tina at MountainGal456. And Tina says, Besides Kluber's no-hitter, I saw Dave Rigetti, Cone, Doc Gooden, and Boomer. And for some reason, if you don't know who Boomer is, she's referring to David Wells. And that's awesome. So two perfect games, two no-hitters. That's amazing. That's awesome, Tina. So that's one of the ones even prior to the 90s. I believe that was in 1983. Yeah, it was in 1983. I'm almost positive. All right, up next we have at Laker 477, my friend Rob. And Rob says, no, I'm lucky enough to have witnessed the previous five Yankee no-hitters, two of them being perfect games. Dave Rigetti in 1983. Ha, I was right. (laughs) Jim Abbott in 1993. Doc Gooden in 96. David Wells, the perfect game in 98, and David Cohn, the perfect game in 99. That's awesome. So it sounds like Tina, you witnessed the previous five. That's amazing. I love that. All right, onward, my friend Mike, at MD Nelly. And Mike says, the first one I witnessed was Dave Rigetti versus the Red Sox on Labor Day in 83. That one is still my favorite because it was my first and because Wade Boggs was the final out. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's awesome, man. That is awesome. I love hearing about that. So a few replies so far. Some of my friends saying they witnessed Dave Vergetti in 83, and of course all the ones after that in the 90s. That's awesome. At Laura underscore Icemont, my friend Laura. Laura says, this was the first no-hitter I got to witness. The last time that happened, I was almost four years old, and I wasn't watching baseball at the time. <laughs> well, that's uh, relatable to me. <laughs> Same thing, I was way too young for Cone's Perfect Game in 99, I was only two. So, just being a couple years older, you could relate to that. Alright, next is at SportsD24733772, and they say, I saw Wells in person, and then I saw Cones and Goodens. Wells in person? That's awesome. <laughs> That is awesome. Any of you saw any of these in person, that makes it even better. I love that. At C Pizza IA says Cones, Wells, Gooden, Rigetti, and also the great one hitter by Moose versus the Sox. All right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. Messina had that really good game. Yeah, that's right. One out away from his perfect game. I mean, hell, one strike away. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. Rebecca says, Not my first. I saw Jim Abbott's no-hitter in 93, David Wells' perfect game in 98, and David Cohn's perfect game in 99. But Kluber's no-hitter was the first one my daughter saw, so it was extra special. And I also forgot Doc Gooden's no-hitter in 96 as well. Well, that's awesome. And that's awesome that Kluber's was the first one your daughter got to see, as it was my first. So I'm sure she has that same feeling as you did when you saw Abbott's, since Jim Abbott was your first. And that's just amazing. It's so awesome witnessing that kind of history. It's, <laughs> there are no words to put to it. There really aren't. All of our first no-hitters are perfect games. I finally got to witness what it feels like on Wednesday. And it's just a remarkable feeling. It really, really is. Next is at iGolfDoYou. And they say, I saw Rigetti's, Abbott's, Goodens, Wells, and Cones. So Kluber's no-hitter was the sixth no-hitter I've witnessed that was pitched by a Yankee. I also saw Hawkins' eight-inning no-hitter that was not recognized by Major League Baseball. Yeah, well, he's in the same boat as somebody like Madison Bumgarner, who I'm going to mention later on when we talk about Corey Kluber's no-hitter. I'll mention him for a second, too. But we all know that Madison Bumgarner had the seven-inning no-hitter earlier in the year in a seven-inning doubleheader game. And I personally count that as a no-hitter, given that Major League Baseball is the one to enforce seven-inning doubleheaders, and that's not Bumgarner's fault. In seven-inning doubleheaders, a full game is seven innings, and he threw a no-hitter for that length. If that's anyone's fault, it's Major League Baseball's, and that's not fair to Madison, but that's just my opinion, and I know a lot of people share it, and if you disagree with that, then fine. It is debatable, I guess, but I just think that considering it was a full seven-inning game, and it's Major League Baseball's problem, they said that this year, just like last year, doubleheaders are going to be seven innings long, and... Madison Bumgarner threw a no-hitter in those innings, and I don't think that shouldn't be counted or held against him like it's his fault or anything like that, that it's not counted, or that it's not nine innings. So that's just my take on it, but Bumgarner and Hawkins, they can, uh, they can relate on that as far as having no-hitters that are less than nine innings, but the league doesn't recognize it. All right, let's continue on. Up next, we have at Lee underscore W18, and Lee says, I remember watching the ninth of Vergetti in 1983, watched all of Jim Abbott in 93, had tickets to Gooden, and played softball instead in 96. Oh, 
that stinks. Oh my goodness. Watched Wells' entire game in 98 and was invited to go to David Cohn's and didn't go. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, that sucks. <laughs> oh my god, that is really awful. Have you forgiven yourself yet? <laughs> Missing out on games like that? Oh my god, I'd be mad at myself forever. Uh, at least you were alive to witness it. I guess that's the good part, but my god, that sucks. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Up next is my friend Spencer, at Musician and DMD. And Spencer says, Vividly recall listening to Dave Rigetti's no-hitter on July 4th, 1983, on a small battery-powered AM-FM radio on 77 WABC when I was a youngster in Monsey, New York, at the town pool. I recall the anticipation and tension, hoping that he would do it. I jumped in jubilation like the players. Now, I can imagine your first no-hitter. That's really what I was doing when Kluber threw his on Wednesday. <laughs> I was going nuts. But that's an awesome story, Spencer. I love that. Up next, we have at Evan D. Wetzel 4, and Evan says, Cone and Wells. All right, so 98 and 99, two perfect games. Ain't shabby at all. Up next is at RJB5150, and he says, started with Rigetti, Abbott, Doc, Wells, and Cone. Rigetti's was the most special because the Yankees just never threw no hitters. Plus, I was younger, and all that was amazing back then. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> Everything, of course, is more amazing and just humongous when you're younger. Everything's just a much bigger deal. You know, first experience, it's like, oh my god, and I got to experience that on Wednesday. So I hear that, and that's awesome you got to witness all of it. Up next is at RebirthChaos09, my friend James, and James says, Wells and Cone. I was 7 and 8 years old, respectively, but seeing Kluber throw a no-hitter at 30 years old was awesome. So happy for him, Kluber Gang Gang. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Kluber Gang Gang is like a little group that me and a few others, really good people, good friends of mine, we're all in this little group. And James and I are two of them. Me and another friend of mine, her name is Ashley Fox, big Yankees Twitter presence, giving her a little shout out right now. But we started this little group called Kluber Gang Gang. It's just a group of like maybe five or six of us who have believed in Kluber so much since day one, have been rooting so hard for him since the very beginning. And obviously on Wednesday, we were riding high. <laughs> so yeah, a little Kluber Gang Gang plug right there. I like that, James. And you should see that pretty often on Twitter because every time he pitches, I put it on my timeline. I always tweet it out. <laughs> All right. Up next is at April NYY. And April says, this was the first Yankees no-hitter I was alive for. That's awesome. So just alive for in general. Wow. That's cool. So a younger Yankee fan, love that. And as I said, I was alive for Wells and Cone, but I was just far too young. But... This one being the first one you were even alive for, that had to be even better. Up next is my friend Sandy, at SandyNYY, and Sandy says, I'm a literal child, so yes. <laughs> well, you're only like a year or so younger than me, so you must have been alive for Wells and Cone, but just very little like me, but I'm a literal child. <laughs> too funny, too funny. Up next is at Coach underscore Getz. And they say Rigetti, Cone, and Wells. That's awesome. Again, just awesome. So many people who witnessed the ones in the 90s, whether it be the perfect games like Cone and Wells or the no-hitters like Rigetti. And Rigetti, of course, is the 80s. But did you miss Doc Goodens? Were you just like, 
not watching that day? <laughs> I don't know. Let's keep going. At Jim56442955, and they say, Dave Vergetti was the first one I saw, and Messina pitched the best eight and two-thirds perfect innings until Carl Everett ruined it. Yeah, just a few replies ago, we had someone mention the Messina game. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, ever since I became a Yankee fan, I always remember people always talking about that, and that must have sucked for Moose. But in any event, let's keep on going. At Little Miss 9927, and they say David Wells and David Cohn. Well, that must have been a great two to lead off with, two perfect games. <laughs> That's just awesome. At Savage Empire Pod says, I was two when Rigetti threw his, but I've seen on TV. Abbott threw to Kluber, and all were awesome. My favorite was Cone's Perfecto. Still wish Musina would have gotten his. F. Boston. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I can't do the whole word, as you know. Can't do that on this show, or I just choose not to, but... <laughs> we keep it clean around these parts, alright? But, I feel you. I do. <laughs> At Laura underscore Navens, Laura says, Cone, Wells, Abbott, Gooden, and probably Rigetti. I was only four then, so I don't remember. Alright, so it's safe to say the ones in the 90s then, and hey, that's still really good. You got two no-hitters and two perfect games. It's amazing. Alright, let's just do a few more, because we have, as I said before, just a ton to go through news-wise and everything, just games-wise, all of it, for the recap segment. So let's just do a few more, move on to Instagram, read a couple there, and then we'll get on to recapping this past week's crazy, wild action. <laughs> Up next is at Gibbs 626, and they say Abbott, Gooden, Wells, and Cone. Alright, so all the 90s stuff, awesome. Up next is at ALG Wiz, and they say Saw Rigetti, Abbott, Gooden, Wells, and Cone. So going back to Rigetti in the 80s also, awesome stuff. At Ajack 726 says Dave Rigetti was my first, then Abbott, Wells, Gooden, and Cone. So another one, alright. At Brad E. Liverio, and Brad says, First, for me, I was born in 1996, so I was too young for Wells and Cone. So many close calls over those years. Wong, Pettit, Musina, Randy Johnson, to name a few. I always wondered when the day would come where I would witness a Yankee finally pull it off myself. I went crazy for Kluber. <laughs> I hear you, man. As I said, born January 97 myself, just missed 96, so you and I are nearly the same age. You maybe have, I don't know, maybe a few months on me, so you understand what I'm saying when I said what I said earlier, too. And I, too, went nuts for Kluber. And I know of those instances you mentioned, too, and I just thought I wasn't going to witness one, but when I did, like you on Wednesday, I went nuts. <laughs> so I hear you, man. I relate hard. I do. Next is at YankeeFan239, and they say, Doc Gooden, David Wells, David Cohn. I know, I'm old. <laughs> well, there have been plenty of other people in these replies, my man, that mentioned having seen Rigetti, and that's even before that, so you're not that old. <laughs> Up next is at A. Cambo, saying Cohn, Wells, and Doc Gooden. All right. At M. Manella underscore Michael, and they say, saw Cone, Wells, Gooden, Abbott, and Rigetti. Alright, so another Rigetti one. At Darren Rossinger 1 says, Gooden, Wells, and Cone I was all an active fan for. But I missed Cones due to being at sleepaway camp at the time, though, sadly. Uh, that stinks. 
that really stinks. That was like the reply earlier that said he missed a couple of them because he didn't want to go or he did something else instead. But you were at camp. It's a different story. But it just stinks that you missed it, of course. But at least you were alive to witness it and you saw it after the fact or whatever. So that's cool. And you were old enough to understand it being an active Yankee fan. At NYYFanForever96 says, For me, it was, because I was about two when Cohn threw his perfect game. Yep, right in the same boat here. I hear you, man. <laughs> and lastly, we will end with my good friend here on Twitter, none other than the one and only, the man who is in charge of Ball 9. I've read a crap ton of replies here on Twitter, and I just happened to run into his, and I think he is a great person to end on. My good friend, Chris Vitale. And Chris says, from the stands, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Chris was live for Kluber's no-hitter on Wednesday. God, I envy you, Chris. <laughs> I envy you, brother. But Rigetti, first one I remember, Doc Gooden, Boomer, and Coney saw all of those on TV. That's amazing. Not only did you see all the way back from Rigetti, but you saw Kluber's on Wednesday actually in person. I am to quote Jennifer Aniston in Friends, totally happy for you and not jealous at all. <laughs> but that's awesome, Chris. Absolutely awesome. So that'll do it for Twitter for the replies for this poll. And I, as always, want to thank each and every one of you for your votes, your replies, the whole deal. And there were a lot of you that I couldn't get to. But hey, I still read like, I don't know, anywhere from like 20 to 30 replies, I think. <laughs> I didn't count exactly, but... I definitely read a lot of replies, but there were just an overwhelming amount, and there was no way I was getting even remotely close to all of them. So if you did reply and I didn't get to yours, or if you just want to go to the tweet yourself and see all the replies for yourself, then just head on over to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero, find the poll tweet, go in the comments, and you could read all of them for yourself and see what everybody had to say. But whether or not I got to your answer, and also to all of you voters out there on Twitter, Thank you to each and every one of you for interacting with the poll this week. But before we get to weekly recap, let's head on over to Instagram really quick and read a few replies over there and see what people had to say about the same question and also how they voted. Same question, of course. Was Kluber's no-hitter the first Yankee no-hitter that you have witnessed in your time as a Yankee fan? And actually, the other choice was victorious on Instagram as opposed to the one that was victorious on Twitter. The choice of yes on Instagram earned 78% of the vote. So I guess I either have a much younger audience on Instagram or just an audience that didn't become fans from young if they are on the older side. And then the remaining 22%, just 22% said no. So let's read a few replies in my DMs to see what you guys had to say if you replied on Instagram. We'll go with Vamos Yankees first, and he says, Cone, Wells, Hawkins, Gooden. I remember Abbott's, but I didn't have cable back then, so I heard it on the radio. No, that's awesome, man. Love it. Next is Mac Patton, and he says, Jim Abbott's was my first. All right, that seems to be the general consensus among a lot of people. I know a lot of people also saw Dave Rigetti, as we heard from the Twitter replies, but a lot of others said Jim Abbott's was their first, and that's understandable. Back in 93, believe it or not, that's almost 30 years ago already. The fact that the decade of the 90s, at least the earlier part of it right now, is 30 years ago. <laughs> oh boy, boy, oh boy. Let's go with my lovely girlfriend, Vic Salimo, next, and she says, 
Yes, I was too young to remember David Wells or David Cohn. Well, you know, I hear you there, Vic. <laughs> and lastly, as always, let's finish off with my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero, whose birthday just passed this past week after Mother's Day was just a couple of weeks ago. So happy birthday, Mom. Love you. Just wanted to put that out there. And uh, I'm not going to give away your age despite how drop-dead gorgeous you look. And you know from looking at social media comments that I am not the only one who feels that way. But I know if I give away your age publicly that you will kill me, so I will not do that. <laughs> but it would only help in your favor because nobody believes that you are your age when I tell them how old you are. But you know what? Your wish is my command. <laughs> and you guys actually want to know something? Her birthday was on Wednesday, and as we know, with the whole topic of this discussion actually, that was the day that Corey Kluber threw the no-hitter. So, mom's birthday present, I mean, along with my real birthday present... <laughs> Was Corey Kluber throwing a no-hitter? How about that? As John Sterling says, how do you like that? That was what my mom got on her birthday. Pretty awesome. But anyway, my mom says, Although there was Cone's perfect game in 1999, I was not yet an avid baseball watcher. It was when you got me into baseball after the Yankees won in 2009. It's become a huge bond that we share amongst all the other things ever since that World Series win for me. This was epic to witness. Thank you, Corey Kluber. Yep, that, that is the truth. I became a Yankee fan in 07-ish, like towards the middle, later part of 07, so about 14 years ago. And it really wasn't until that World Series in 09 that you were watching because me and my father were watching it. And after that, that was when you really blew up. So even though you were alive for even going back to Dave Rigetti's no-hitter, of course, he didn't become an avid baseball watcher, as you say, until they won in 2009. So, yeah, this was your first two, clearly, Mom, and I'm glad that you were as amped about it as I was, because for both of us, it was really our firsts for the Yankees. And we were going absolutely nuts on Wednesday night, as most people were, as we've read in the replies. But that's all for this week's poll segment, guys, and it was a lot of fun. I was really looking forward to asking you this because I know a lot of people might say, oh, well, a lot of people in their 30s or older are going to say, yeah, of course we witnessed Rigetti or Doc Gooden or Abbott or Wells or Cohn, but that's not necessarily automatically true. They could have missed certain ones on the given days they happened, or also who said it was a guarantee that those people were baseball fans from young? They could have become baseball fans a bit later in their lives and not have witnessed any of those when they were watching baseball. And I was really just looking forward to what all of you had to say about which ones you witnessed, and it was fun. I had a fun time discussing this, but believe you me, <laughs> we are not done talking about Corey Kluber's no-hitter. We're going to do it in a short while once we get to recapping Wednesday, but for now, again, to all of you Instagrammers and again to all of you Twitter peeps out there, Thank you to each and every one of you, truly, for voting and replying, as always. All right. Now, as I did say last week, if you remember a while back on Yapping Yankees, I used to use sort of like a, it was like a time machine sound effect to create an effect to start weekly recap for us jumping back to the last Sunday so that we can recap the last week of action. So I did mention last week that I would be bringing that sound effect back for this segment, and I am, and it's starting this week, so if you will be so kind as to jump into the Yapping Yankees time machine with me for weekly recap, we will jump back to last Sunday.
We all here okay? <laughs> all right. So, guys, as we know, we've got a very wild, wild week of Yankees baseball to recap. But as we know, at the same time, as I say wild, I also mean awesome. Because, again, it's been another solid week of Yankees baseball up to this point. The team has been fun again. The offense has been having their good days, but even on the days where they're not good, it's still just enough to win the games. And at the end of the day, you know the most important thing is to win. So that's all good. After Cole's start on Monday, the pitching has been off the charts, specifically the starting pitching. And that's really been a massive theme of late overall. Not to mention the no-hitter on Wednesday by Corey Kluber, which, again, as I said earlier, we will talk all about once we get to Wednesday. So they've made history, both with that and the fact that a couple of days later, just on Friday night, they turned a triple play for the first time since 2014. It's just been really, really good Yankees baseball lately, as we know. So let's get into this past week's action, starting again with last Sunday when we last spoke. And the Yanks would try to go for the sweep against the O's, and unfortunately, just like the series prior against the Rays, they could not get it done. But the irritating part about it is that they very well could have. They really could have. But they just let it slip right through their fingers. I'm glad they won the series, obviously. As I always say, that's what you always want. But it's irritating when you could have very well swept, but then you just let it go. And they started hot right away with the bats. They exploded for four runs right away in the first. A run scored on a double play by Geo, immediately followed by a two-run atom bomb by Gary. And then Frazier would go back-to-back with him for a solo shot. So, boom, four runs in the first for Montgomery. You'd think that would be enough against the O's, right? Nah, because Montgomery and all other pitchers that day, except for Litke, I guess, they must have just gotten into a huddle and said, all right, guys, we're going to absolutely suck today. Right away in the bottom of the first, Monty gives two runs back. Third inning, Judge gave him another run to work with on a nuke for a solo homer, and then Monty immediately allows them to tie the game at five. He just really had nothing working. Definitely his worst start of the year, and easily one of, if not the worst starts for a Yankee starter at that point. And we obviously know now that on Friday night, he definitely rebounded, which we will get to later, but as of that point, just terrible. So you see how the Yanks could have easily won that game. Being given five runs at the start against the Orioles, and Montgomery just allows them to tie it at five, it just stinks. It really does. It was awful. Michael King came in after Montgomery, and he gave the O's a 6-5 lead, and the O's would just never look back after that. They'd score four more, two off Peralta and two off of Sessa, and Sessa's just been really bad again lately. He did pitch a scoreless inning yesterday, but that was when they were up 7-0 in the ninth. You get what I'm saying. And the Yanks did add on one more in the ninth, and again, they just lost a very winnable game by the score of 10-6. Not a fun time after what was a really good start to the game. Monday. God, did this day suck. (laughs) It really, really sucked. About seven hours before the game even started, it was announced. Just after Boone said about a day prior, by the way, that he was feeling much better and really made it sound like he'd be back for the Texas series, 
Stanton was placed on the 10-day IL, retroactive to the 14th. And they recalled Albert Abreu to replace the roster spot at the time. So if Stanton is ready, he could be back very shortly from now anyway, since the stint is retroactive to the 14th, and today is already the 23rd, and he would be eligible to come back on Tuesday, the 25th, in just two days. That's what they've said. That's their target date. So if he's ready, he'll be back shortly. But again, Boone saying one thing, and then the opposite happening. And we know, we know, this is far from the first time he's done this, and I don't want to make a big deal about this, but dude, if you guys aren't 100% sure if he'll be back, or if there's info you're yet to find out or that you can't give away, then just say so. You're allowed to say that you're still just keeping an eye on him, you're not 100% sure about what you want to do yet, but don't make it sound like he's going to be back in just a couple of days. As I said, we all know this is... Definitely not the first time the Yanks have done this. That's what makes it even more frustrating than it already was. It's annoying enough to begin with that Stanton is on the IL in itself, after the way his injury history has been already and with how well he was doing. And even if it's just for a short time in the month of May, it's more time of amazing talent being wasted on the injured list. Just gotta love it. So, while I wasn't surprised, I was definitely pissed off, of course. So, a frustrating start to a day that I was really looking forward to with Cole pitching. But, unfortunately, the game would be no fun either. (laughs) The Yanks did get a run right away in the first on an RBI single by Geo, but... Outside of that, the bats were completely dead. And provided no run support whatsoever for Cole against Jordan Lyles who had an ERA well over six coming into this start. And Cole, who, despite the historic start he's had this year, did prove that he is still human. (laughs) So just want to remind you of that. (laughs) He allowed three runs in the second and two in the fifth, which it should have been one. I'll explain that in a second. So he gave up five earned runs total, should have been four again, and went five plus innings. He started the sixth inning, but didn't get anyone out. And his streak of not allowing any walks since April 12th ended as well. On a walk to Gallo. Not Callo, Gallo. G-A-L-L-O. For my fellow My Cousin Vinny fans out there. Except just reversed. (laughs) But, again, this was a streak with Cole that we mentioned last week. 61 strikeouts for Cole since that walk on April 2nd. But again, on that walk to Gallo in this start on Monday, it would officially end that streak. And it was just an absolutely remarkable streak. The longest strikeout streak between walks in baseball history. But obviously, it was bound to end eventually, as all streaks do. And as also was a streak of fantastic starts to begin the season. And also, side note, he did have seven strikeouts. Just want to put that out there, too. So, the way we all expected it to go with each starter on Monday night, I think it's safe to say that it definitely went the complete opposite. Especially for Cole. And we knew he was going to eventually not do well. But outside of a couple of hitters in that Rangers lineup, they're honestly not good. I didn't expect a start like this from Cole to be against a team like them. And despite Cole definitely not being himself, uh, I'm not arguing that, 
it's really also a shame that the Yankee bats completely abandoned him after that first inning, after how phenomenal he's been to start the year. You got him that early run, and then after that, just nothing whatsoever. So as they had for basically every start, except for yesterday's start against the White Sox, which we'll get to, the offense just yet again just failed to pick up their ace. Again, despite him obviously not being himself, but they definitely did nothing to try to pick him up yet again at the time. Uh, Abreu came in after Cole. One run scored off of him on a throwing error by Higgy, or what should have been a throwing error. For some reason, it wasn't scored as such officially. And might I just say that Higgy just had a terrible night. Now, that runner was Cole's responsibility from the start of the inning, but since he scored, it was charged to Garrett Cole. Now, this is what I was talking about before when I said the five earned runs charged to Cole should have been four. Because, again, it shouldn't have been earned considering it should have been a throwing error by Higgy allowing the runner that was Cole's responsibility to score. Higgy threw the ball into center field. So, what shouldn't have been an earned run to Cole, unfortunately was. So, that obviously sucks. But, anyways, another stat for you. The Yanks were 5-4 and four in Cole's starts this year after Monday. 5-4! and four. With your ace on the hill, with how phenomenal he's been up to that point. That makes it even more infuriating that the dreadful offense at the time, for the most part, again, couldn't pick up their ace just once when he didn't have his best stuff. After how terrific he's been, you just left him out there to dry. (sighs) So, only other thing worth mentioning that happened after that, then Abreu doing really well out of the bullpen, was Luke Voigt hitting a solo shot, his first home run of the year. And I wish it didn't happen down 5-1 to one in the 8th inning, but hey, a homer nonetheless. <laughs> so the Yanks lost 5-2, to two, and after the game, they sent Abreu back down to AAA so that they could reactivate Rugned Odor the next day, who, as I mentioned last week, had been doing very well in his recovery and was likely going to be activated shortly. Well, here you go. <laughs> But I tell you, between all the crap with Stanton, the game, and also hearing about Britain experiencing a bit of soreness while rehabbing with him finally being eligible to be reactivated in just two weeks at the time, just a bad day. And I know since then, we've gotten pretty much a clean prognosis on Zach Britton, but at the time, after hearing about that, after all the Stanton stuff and the game, just a really crappy day. But at least right now with Zach Britton, we know that he's going to be starting a rehab assignment in games shortly. But again, just really annoying to hear about when that all came out on Monday. Tuesday, finally some good news before the game, for the love of God. And that was that Glaber was finally eligible to return from the COVID IL and would return the next day on Wednesday. So it was just really nice to get a better name back in the lineup. And speaking of good, the Yanks would get a win on Tuesday. And this was when it really started getting good, game-wise. And I say game-wise because you still had the injuries throughout the week and whatnot. But game-wise, Monday was the last time they lost coming into today here on Sunday. And Tuesday is definitely when they got back on track game-wise to what they were doing before Sunday's game. And that was good to see. But Tyone started the game on Tuesday and... 
His command just wasn't good. Didn't do a great job, to be honest. But fortunately, unlike the night before with Garrett Cole, (laughs) the offense had his back, which was new, but definitely welcomed. (laughs) Tyone's line was just four and a third, four runs, three of those in the third inning, and then one just before he was taken out in the fifth with one out. But at that point, the offense had already picked him up. It was five to four after he gave up that fourth run in the fifth inning. He also walked two guys, and even his strikeouts were down. He only had three, and that was something that was pretty unusual to see, given that even in the starts where he really had a tough time, the strikeouts were there. He always piled those up, but even in this start on Tuesday, he only had the three. Now, how'd the Yankee offense pick them up? Well, they scored five runs in the fourth, right after the Rangers' three-run rally in the third, and none of them on homers. I know, that's freaking nuts. (laughs) Whenever they manufacture runs and they actually just drive in runs without hitting homers. But Gio Urshela hit an RBI double, Gary RBI double, and Duhar game-tying RBI single, and then DJ LeMayhew, who, as we know this season, definitely hasn't been bad, but he definitely hasn't been the DJ that we know of the last two years. But here... He continued to be the god when the Yanks have the bases loaded that we've always known him to be, because when the bases were loaded here, he hit a go-ahead two-run double. And again, what makes it even better was that this was an immediate response to the Rangers' three-run rally in the third. And you know how much I've always loved when the Yankee offense just immediately hits back after another team has a rally of their own just before they answer back. I love that. In my years as a baseball fan, I always love when the Yankee offense just hits right back after a big rally. I think it's a big deal, and it's a big statement. They're saying, listen, we're not going down easily, and if you think you got the edge after that rally, well, we're answering right back. I love that. I think it makes a really good statement to the other team. But regardless, that's what made it 5-4, to four. and at that point, the game was in the hands of both bullpens. And the Yankees' bullpen, again, beyond dominant. Peralta, scoreless inning. Loisica, inning and two-thirds scoreless. Chad Green, a scoreless eighth. And Chapman, again, just (laughs) a cheat code. Save number 10, struck out the side, again, getting Davis to look at a 103-mile-per-hour fastball for strike three to end the game. It's just amazing. He is the best reliever in baseball right now, and it's not even a discussion, really. Throwing 103 miles per hour still to end a game like that at 33 years of age. It's just awesome. This is just the best Aroldis Chapman we've seen. And in the meantime, the Yanks added on two more on a long DJ sack fly in the sixth, and then a Geo RBI ground out in the ninth, and the Yanks won 7-4. to four. An awesome win seeing the offense come back to life, especially the bottom of the lineup, by the way, which we just haven't seen this year really much at all. Gary with his hit, Odor also had two hits in his return, and Duhar two for four. Ford two for three! (laughs) Mike Ford! That's when you know. Just a great night. And speaking of great nights, (laughs) to say the least... Wednesday. Oh boy, what a day for me, as you can probably imagine. 
But before we get to the game, let's hammer out some news before we get to the big story that we all know happened on Wednesday. But first off, Glaber officially returned. Odor was placed on paternity leave. He and his wife actually had a baby girl the night prior, so congratulations to them. And Clint wasn't in the lineup again because he was apparently dealing with some neck problems that the Yanks said he was getting treatment for and apparently still is. Still hasn't played to this point right now going into Sunday, as we know. He is in today's lineup. He's batting eighth, but up until today, he hadn't played. During the game, though, Ryan Lamar, some more news, who they obviously called up after Hicks went down, was running to first on a ground ball and grabbed at his hamstring. It looked to be a bad injury. I mean, right away I said, oh, rest in peace to his hamstring. (laughs) So, even the minor league call-up, who hadn't played in the big since 2019, got hurt. (laughs) You just can't win. Uh, It's wild. Between this... Gary cramping up in his hamstring on Tuesday, which thankfully turned out to be nothing. You have to assume that that was from running the bases too. The same with Stanton's injury as well. Same happened with Trout with his calf, I believe. It's just, it's just crazy. You gotta be able to run the bases. It's an essential part of the sport. I hate to break it to you. (laughs) But the injuries this year, not just with the Yankees, but all over the sport. It's just, it's out of control. It really is, even with an essential part of the sport, running the bases. I hate to tell you, the main parts of baseball, the main objectives are to obviously pitch, but to also, from an offensive standpoint, hit the baseball, swinging, and running the bases. And if you can't do either one of those, (laughs) there's no getting around it. I hate to break it to everybody. But anyways, Lamar's injury happened in the third inning, speaking of the game now, and... There wasn't even a score yet in the game by then. And that would continue for both sides. Until Tyler Wade. Yes, Tyler Wade. You're not dreaming. You're not hallucinating. Tyler Wade. You heard me correctly. You guys more than know how I feel about the guy by now. But you know what? Offense quiet again. And him coming through big. I tip my invisible cap (laughs) to him. For driving in one of the game's just two runs on an RBI triple. Great stuff. I do have to say that. You gotta tip your cap and give credit where credit's due. You guys know I do that. I'm a fair baseball fan, no matter how I feel about anybody. You know I even did that with the little jerk Altuve a couple of weeks ago when he hit that home run off Chad Green. But I must say, Tyler Wade's been doing some good things lately. You gotta give credit where credit's due. But in any event... The second run would come right after Tyler Wade's RBI triple on a DJ sack fly. And that's all that was needed for the Yanks to win 2 to nothing, of course, because otherwise, the massive story for the first time since 1999 with David Cohn's perfect game, and for the 12th time in their history, the Yankees... God, I'm still so happy about this. (laughs) And I know, I know there have been six of them already in the first month and a half or so of the season so far. Seven if you count Bumgarner's seven-inning no-hitter, which I guess I do. I certainly don't blame others for counting it. So people are a bit tired of the no-hitters, but anyway. (laughs) The Yankees had a no-hitter. By my boy, the one I've been advocating for like crazy since he was signed this past offseason, 
Corey freaking Kluber. And all that stood in the way of a perfect game was a walk. And he still struck out nine guys. His pitches were just, oh my god, that slider, again, as it has been for most of the season so far, just absolutely beautiful. The changeup, the cutter, the fastball, so beautifully located. But (laughs) regardless, guys, even just talking about it now, I'm just getting hyped all over again. It's the first no-hitter I've ever seen as a Yankee fan in my time as a fan. As you guys know, or as many of you know at least, I became a Yankee fan back in 2007. And obviously, as I said before, the last time this happened was with David Cohn's perfect game in 99. And I was only two years old when that happened. I was not old enough to understand that. I didn't watch baseball. I didn't know baseball existed. I didn't know sports existed. I didn't even know what life was. (laughs) So this was the first Yankees no-hitter I've seen in my time as a Yankee fan. So as I said before at the poll question for this week, I voted yes for that question because this was in fact my first that I got to experience at age 24 being a Yankee fan for the last 14 years or so. And it was just, (laughs) it was incredible. Especially again after all the advocating I've done for Corey Kluber. Since day one. I'm a day one, guys, and you know that. You remember when he was signed. Don't BS me. You remember when he was signed, how hyped I was. I acknowledged the risk. I did. It was a sensible thing to do, and I don't blame anybody for acknowledging it. But you want to know something? There was a reason why everybody was willing to offer him something when they saw him throw for the first time because we all know that he hadn't pitched much at all for the last two years, and that's what made him a gamble. It really was a risk to sign him. And when the Yankees signed him for $11 million, people thought they were nuts. But then there were reports that came out that said other teams that were going for him, and there were many, many others, because they really liked how he looked, and it looks like they were right, including the Yankees, but it did come out that other teams were willing to offer him even more. But he came to the Yankees. I was hyped because it's still Corey freaking Kluber. And I knew it would take time for him to ramp up because, again, I know he hadn't pitched much in the last two years at all. Barely pitched in 2019 and pitched for about five minutes in 2020, just that one inning. I know what the risk was. But I've believed in him since day one. I am one of very few believers from the beginning, and I am taking all the credit for this. You better believe that. (laughs) I am taking this opportunity to pat myself on the back as many times as possible. You better believe that, (laughs) because this has been making me feel great how Corey Kluber's been doing for the first month and a half to two months of the season. I know there's plenty left to go, but especially with this no-hitter, guys, it was just the peak of my optimism, the peak of my belief in Corey Kluber, to have the remarkable comeback I've envisioned for him since the day the Yankees chose to roll the dice on him. And I couldn't be happier that I've been on the Corey Kluber train since day one. After this game, the guy's ERA is in the twos now, and he's quickly becoming, alongside Garrett Cole, the best one-two punch in baseball. And if they keep this up, 
The starting pitching's already been unbelievable, as we know, especially lately. But if they keep this up, and don't forget that Seve's coming back too, and I've acknowledged that we don't know what we're going to get 100% out of Seve, but they are raving about how great he looks in his rehab. They're still getting him back too. But if this keeps up on this path, to have Cole, Kluber, and even Herman, who's been great since coming back from the alternate site, and Seve upon returning? <sighs> but anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. But <laughs> Corey, keep on making me proud. Huge congratulations are in order, especially for doing this not only in general, but after all the injury troubles you've been through the last two years and how hard you fought to get back and pitch. This is nothing short of an incredible accomplishment. In my opinion, this is completely different from all the other no-hitters that have happened so far this year. This is in a league of its own. Nothing short of incredible, and don't let anyone else say otherwise. Seriously, I was just overjoyed. I was overjoyed. Without just sitting here and fanboying for the next half hour or so, (laughs) because we still have plenty of other days to get to before we catch up to today, but without doing that, all I can just say is that Wednesday night was incredible for me. Both as a Yankee fan and as someone who has believed in Corey Kluber and has been as big of an advocate as I have been for him since the Yankees signed him. Since day one. And again, I cannot properly express in words how great that feels. I'm just so freaking happy. Even now just talking about it, like I said before, I was getting all hyped up again. And now I'm getting all the chills and the goosebumps all over again. (laughs) I am just... So happy for the Yankees overall, but I could not be happier for Corey Kluber after everything he's been through to come back and do as great as he's done, but to also throw the first no-hitter, not only of his own career, which has already been great after everything he's already accomplished, winning his two Cy Young Awards and everything, but also throwing the first Yankee no-hitter since David Cohn's perfect game in 99. And if you're a Yankee hater, then hate the Yankees all you want. And, I mean, if you are a Yankee hater, then I don't know what you're doing listening to this show in the first place. But regardless, you have to face that for him to come back and do this, especially with the New York Yankees, I think it's safe and appropriate to say that it's just nothing short of remarkable. And I guess that's the last I have to say about that, because otherwise I'm just going to sit here, as I said before, and just fanboy for another half an hour, and we still have like three more days to get through, so let's keep going. (laughs) But Thursday, I somehow had to watch a day game following a historical night like Wednesday's. (laughs) Not an easy task. All I can think of going into Thursday was, wow, I'm supposed to watch a day game right after what happened last night? (laughs) But anyway, a couple of other quick things before the game. Rugnet Odor returned from the paternity leave list, and Lamar was officially placed on the 10-day IL with his hamstring injury from Wednesday, a hamstring strain officially. But fortunately, the game would end well. And the offense was very quiet again, but they did just enough to get the win. And that's what matters in the end, as we know, winning the game. And they'd actually win by the same score as Wednesday with Corey Kluber's no-hitter, 2 to nothing. But there wouldn't be a no-hitter Thursday, of course. (laughs) That doesn't mean there wasn't great pitching, though, because there definitely was. Herman started, and he pitched a gem. 
as he continues his good pitching since he got back from the alternate site, as I said before. Seven shutout innings, six hits, no walks, five strikeouts, really good stuff. And after him, Chad Green, shutout eighth, and Chapman, as always, shutout ninth for his 11th save as he continues to just be, again, it just can't be said enough, just absolutely stellar. If we're being honest, how many other words are there even left that I haven't used to describe how amazing Chap has been? The answer is, I don't think there are many left whatsoever. (laughs) And offensively, they got their two runs on an RBI single by a pinch-hitting Gio Urshela, who just continues to be so clutch, even off the bench pinch-hitting, and also an RBI single by a pinch-hitting Aaron Judge. So the Yanks got both of their runs on RBI singles, by pinch hitters. <laughs> Gio Urshela, who just continues to be as clutch as he always is, and Aaron Judge, who has just been swinging a blazing hot bat. So the Yanks won 2 nothing, won the series, taking 3 out of 4 against the Rangers, 7-3 and road trip, which is obviously really solid, also making them 7-0-2 in their last 9 series before this one against the White Sox right now, which is 7 wins and 2 splits for those who don't know, 14-5 in their last 19 games at the time. You gotta love it. <laughs> Winning series, guys, that's what it's about. Pitching doing what it does. And even if the bats make you want to rip your hair out of your skull a lot of the time, well, they've been doing enough to win. So even though you'd like to see the offense do more at times, of course, and I totally get that and agree, all that matters in the end is that they win the game. But anyways, Friday, Yanks and White Sox. I came into this series being really excited. White Sox have started out great, as I knew they would coming into this series as one of the American League's best, and the Yanks, of course, have been doing very well. That goes without saying. Montgomery took the mound after the horrible start that we spoke about earlier that he had in Baltimore on Sunday against this White Sox team that usually hammers left-handed pitching. So, to say the least, I was a bit on edge. (laughs) But before the game, there was even more news. As I said, just a really wild and action-packed week, both game-wise, injury-wise, history-wise, I guess, with the no-hitter and the impending triple play that I'm going to tell you about in a minute. Just a lot. But there was even more news before the game about what we talked about last week with Hicks and his wrist problem, how we spoke about if surgery's possible, and if he does get the surgery, he's going to be out a really long time, potentially ending his season. Remember talking about this? Well, there was finally an answer about that a couple hours before game time on Friday. And that news was that he is, in fact, getting the surgery for that torn sheath in his wrist. And I wasn't in the least bit surprised. And you might be asking, well, Mike, why weren't you in the least bit surprised? I mean, it could have been a short-term thing. There was no guarantee he was getting the surgery. But... I was mainly not in the least bit surprised because of the night before. All over Twitter, there were constant reports about the Yankees talking to the Texas Rangers about outfielder Delino DeShields. And the Yanks have seen plenty of him, so if you follow the Yankees a lot, or on a borderline concerning basis like me, (laughs) 
<laughs> you should know who he is. He won't give you much offensively at all, but he's got a good glove in the outfield. And when that report came out, I was basically saying, okay, if they're planning on this trade, then this is telling me that Hicks is going to get that surgery and he's going to be missing a crap ton of time. That's why they're looking for reinforcements. And I even said that on Twitter. And then Friday, what do you know? They announced the surgery. So, as far as Hicks getting the surgery, I hope it goes well and it's a speedy recovery, of course. And lots of people will be quick to talk about how badly he was doing as a whole before this, and yeah, that may be true. With the exception of a couple of moments here and there, I guess. And whether it be positive or negative, and it was largely negative, we've spoken about Hicks on this show ad nauseum to this point. But when someone gets hurt, I don't know how you conduct yourself, but I wish them well, of course. Just part of being half-decent. But regardless, we'll see what the Yanks do for the outfield. And we said it last week, and it still applies now, they need help in the outfield. They need help. Gardner should not be playing every day. Even before they brought him back, I said it would have to be a bench or a platoon role when someone gets a day off. But, unfortunately, the condition of the outfield right now is mandating that he plays, like, all the time. You have Clint playing horrendous baseball, plus dealing with the neck issue he's having at the moment. Hicks is going to be gone for a long time now. They need help, guys. There's no way around it. They need help. And whether it be someone like DeShields, and I think they can do better than him if we're being honest, or calling up Floreal at some point, who we've also spoken about, we'll see. But that's the latest on Hicks, and I guess the outfield too. Now, the game. And my god in heaven, what a game it was. <laughs> my god. Just another addition to, again, what was a wild week. Rodon and Montgomery starting, just what a job by both of them. <laughs> what a job. Rodon, 13 strikeouts in six innings, and Montgomery, I gotta give it to him too, against a lineup that chews up and spits out left-handed pitchers, seven shutout innings, 11 strikeouts himself, terrific start, just terrific. And again, made even better because this one was directly after the last horrible one against the O's. So, you got a bad start against the Orioles and a gem against this lineup. You confusing son of a gun. <laughs> uh, so, most of the game had nothingness offensively besides a couple more base running blunders by the Yankees on contact plays leading to being thrown out of the plate, which has happened plenty. Until the seventh inning when the hero of the game, Glaber Torres, scored the first run of the game on a solo shot. And that's when things really started to get wild. <laughs> the White Sox would then immediately tie it on a check swing bloop RBI single in the 8th, which made me want to dive off the roof. And then in the top of the ninth, first and second, no one out, Chapman on the mound looking like he was finally going to give up his first earned run or runs on the year until the Yanks turned a 5-4-3 triple play. This made me go crazy. 
Unfreaking real. I was so hyped. Just a really hard hit ground ball down to Geo. Step on third. Throw to Odor at second. Odor guns it over to Voigt at first. Triple play. Unbelievable. Fist pumped by Chapman. Crowd's going wild. The players are having a great time. I'm screaming my head off. And it was just chaos all around. <laughs> Both at the stadium and at my house. And also it should be mentioned that this triple play comes just two days after a no-hitter. I mean, if you're a Yankee fan right now, you gotta be loving life lately. But to make matters even better, to even further add on to what was already a remarkable moment on Friday night, bottom of the ninth, after the triple play in the top of the ninth, Judge let off the inning with a single, staying red hot, Geo got a bloop single, and again, Glaber Torres for the win, RBI single, Yanks win 2-1. A no-hitter on Wednesday, a triple play on Friday night, immediately followed by a walk-off. First time that has ever been done in that window of time in baseball history. What a last few days. <laughs> but specifically on Friday, just a thrilling, gritty victory and a great start to what's been expected to be a wild series. Thankfully, so far, in large favor of the Yankees, especially after yesterday. But more great starting pitching and just crazy freaking things happening, leading <laughs> to another big win. And lastly, speaking of yesterday, yesterday's game on Saturday. The winning would continue, and the Yanks would at least take yet another series. They could sweep today, of course, here on Sunday, which is why I say at least taking the series. And I hope they do sweep, because as we know, other than the Detroit series weeks ago, they have not swept anybody else, and in the two series against Baltimore and Tampa prior to the Texas series, we know that the Yankees have had some difficulty completing a three-game set sweep in that third game lately. But anyway, so now that they've already at least won this series against the White Sox, they're 8-0-2 now. Eight wins and two splits in their last 10 series. Seven series wins in a row, so they haven't lost a series in weeks, and for the last month or so, they have the league's best record, 22-9 and in their last 31 games after yesterday's win. Love it, love it, love it. These guys are red hot. But this was another really nice win yesterday. Not as wild as the end of Friday night's game, <laughs> but still really good and really fun. Cole took the mound again after his last start in Texas, where he had some trouble for the first time in a long time as we went over, and even if he did labor a bit in this start too for the first three or four innings or so, he kept the White Sox off the scoreboard, largely because he was a double play machine, <laughs> and that's awesome too. Listen, getting outs like that is just fine with me. I don't need 20,000 strikeouts every start. You want to be economical? Then go right ahead. And he still got the job done very nicely. 
But he eventually just went into absolute cruise control, especially after the Yanks gave him runs to work with, which, as we know, is something they haven't done really much at all for Cole this year. But Cole would end up going seven innings, just four hits allowed, three walks, very unusual there, but that was when he was laboring through the first three or four innings, and he struck out seven. And that final strikeout came when he just emptied the tank in that seventh inning, and it was on a 101-mile-per-hour paint job right on the outside corner. Just an absolute beauty. He is so great. It, it just can't be said enough. And again, to show even more how great he is, even when he was laboring, and this has happened in plenty of his starts this year, even when he was laboring, didn't give up any runs. That's just how good he is. And the offense, well, as I said, they finally gave Cole run support for once. Bottom of the fourth, Glaber Torres yet again, driving in another two runs after already being responsible for the only two runs on Friday night, a two-run double. After him, Odor would drive him in on a double, 3 nothing. Bottom of the fifth, Glaber again. <laughs> He's back, man. He is back. Been so good lately. Two-run single, three for four on the whole day, 5 nothing at that point. Mike Ford, 447-foot bomb, halfway up the right field bleachers, 6 nothing. And Duhar, Miggy Two-Bags, RBI double, 7 nothing. So, as you can hear, after scoring just two runs in each of the last three games... Which, again, they got the job done all three of those games. They won. But after only scoring two runs in each of those last three games, they just blitzed for seven runs. Really, really good to see. And after Wilson and Sessa pitched scoreless eighth and ninth innings, the Yanks again won seven to nothing. Their fifth win in a row. And by the way, Yankee starters, just in case you're wondering, or in case you haven't already heard, Yankee starting pitchers haven't allowed a run since Tuesday. That's how good the pitching continues to be. Even against a team like the White Sox, 30 innings without allowing a run. The starters and the team overall, they've just been passing all their tests so far. They have really, I mean, to say the least, kicked it into gear through the injuries, and everything. I don't know how many more stats you need me to give you than I've already given to describe how amazing this team has been doing lately. It speaks for itself. The last few weeks of Yankees baseball have just... What can you say about it anymore? It's just been really, really solid. And again, even through all the injuries, you got history being made, the no-hitter on Wednesday... You have the triple play and the walk-off on Friday. You have the starting pitching that's been as great as it's been. And even if they don't score as much as we'd like for them to do on certain days, the offense has been getting it done, whether it be with close, low-scoring wins, or if they just have their days where they blitz, like on Tuesday when they scored their seven runs, or yesterday when they scored their seven runs again, the offense has been getting it done. And of course, and this goes without saying, the bullpen. For the vast majority of the season, maybe with the exception of, I don't know, three games? <laughs> three, maybe four games? They've just been 
downright remarkable. This has been phenomenal Yankees baseball for the last few weeks. We've been talking about it week by week, of course, and it just thrills me to say that as of now, in my opinion, given how much of a blast I've had watching them lately, the Yankees are fun again, and that really makes me extremely happy to say. Now, as for this coming week, today's game, it's going to be starting in about 15 minutes or so from now, I think. Uh, Yeah, 15 minutes from when I'm recording right now. But what's coming up after today's game, you might ask? Well, I'll tell you. Tomorrow, the Yanks are off. Tuesday, the Blue Jays come back to town for a three-game set. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, all three of the games are at 7.05 Eastern, right here in New York in the Bronx. And unless they're planning on switching up with the off day, I imagine the starters will be Kluber, Herman, and Montgomery in that order, because that's what it's been after Tyone lately, who's pitching in today's game here on Sunday, as we know. So, And speaking of Tyone, just really quick, again, I just hope that after that Texas start where we saw him sustain a lot of his damage in that one inning again, I really hope to just see another step in the right direction because he took another step back, definitely regressed in that Texas start, and I really don't want to see another four inning or four and a third innings, four and two thirds of four runs, and especially if his strikeouts are down like they were in Texas, I don't want to see another start like that. I got to see something more out of Tyone today, and it would be even more impressive considering the kind of lineup he's facing, but... In my opinion, he's got to go out there today. I really want to see him go like five, maybe even six innings, shut out, or at the most, allowing a run. That's really the start I want to see out of Tyone today. You know, it's going to be June next week, and I'm really looking for more stuff out of Tyone, and I really hope that we get it in today's start. It would be a big step forward for him if he could put forth a respectable start against a team like the White Sox today. So I just wanted to put that out there. The starting rotation as a whole has been doing incredible, and even Tyone's had his good days, but especially after regressing in that Texas start, I need to see him get back on track today, and I want to see five, maybe six shutout innings, or maybe even at the most allowing a run. I want to see the strikeouts a bit up again, keep the walks down, keep the pitch count under control, and I want to see another step forward from Jameson today. Just wanted to put that out there really quick. Let's add on even more to how terrific the rotation's been lately, and I imagine that he wants to do that. So again, you got the three games set from Tuesday to Thursday against the Blue Jays after the off day tomorrow. Then next weekend, the Yanks hit the road again and head to Detroit to face the Tigers. So a three-game weekend set against the Tigers. Friday's game will be at 7:10 Eastern. Saturday will be at 4:10 Eastern. And Sunday, when we speak next, will be at 1.10 Eastern. Again, what a week it was, guys. And I hope that you had as much fun listening to me recap it all as I did talking about it. Because it was just so much fun. And I can't wait to see what this coming week has in store. But one thing I can confidently say is that it's going to be damn hard to outdo what happened this past week. (laughs) But as for now, guys, that is all for episode 97 
of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember to follow me on all social medias so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. Also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. And also, please don't forget to show some love to Yapping Yankees on the other three platforms it's available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, if you missed any of them, be sure to listen back to the past Yapping Yankees episodes as well. Episodes 34 up to episode 37 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, May 30th, when I come at you with episode 98 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, you know the deal by now. Hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and Yankees, (laughs) what can I say? Continue the incredibly hot gameplay, sweep the White Sox today, stay healthy, and have yourselves another freaking awesome week. (laughs) Enjoy your week, my friends, and take care.